You believe God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Anybody believe that here today? We believe that you can be baptized in the name of Jesus after you have fully repented. And that that name will wash your sins away. Hallelujah. And you can be filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. Praise God. We believe that. I have a degree in language. I have a Ph.D., And so I've studied languages a part of my entire Christian life, long before I was even apostolic. And I can tell you, if you start speaking in a language you don't know, that is a miracle. Hallelujah. But it happened one day. Praise God. I'm reading in your hearing today from Matthew chapter 3, if you will turn with me. And we welcome you here today. We have several guests. We're glad that you're here. And uh, this is a great day. Now, the weather is changing, and we know that. So we're also thankful that we're out of the drought. I think we're out of the drought. Does anybody feel like the Lord has brought us out of the drought this week? So we're out of that drought, finally. And uh, also the temperatures are dropping, so we're getting sort of normal, even though it was a little below normal yesterday. But we're reading here from Matthew Chapter 3, if you'll turn in your Bibles and follow along for the preaching of the Word of God this morning. The divine hand is upon this church right now. You have come to a believing, separated, holiness, people of God known as apostolic Pentecostals. And we love to worship and praise the Lord and we welcome everyone in this place. And anything can happen. We believe in what thus saith the word of the Lord. God can prepare your hearts to receive the word today. And that's what we're believing God for. So it may be that this is new for you. I I remember the first time I walked in to a apostolic church and I was very uncomfortable because I thought they were wacko. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Can you say amen? So we're reading about John the Baptist. Can you say John the Baptist? John the Baptist. All right. Verse 2. And saying, repent ye. Everybody say repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Praise God. For this is he. That was spoken of. Now we're talking about John the Baptist. This is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah. Which is, uh, does it say it that way? The King James says, Isaiah. Now that's the way the Greeks spell it. But the Hebrews called it Isaiah. That's what we're most familiar with. The prophet Isaiah said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Isn't that odd? The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern, that's quite an old way to say it, but I think it would still pass, a leathern girdle about his loins And his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him, think of it, 
He's in the wilderness. He's been called of God. And he's wearing camel's hair and a and leather. And his he's eating for food because that's all there is out there. Locusts. Oh. Eating locusts. I knew I'd get the right look if I looked at Sister French. Eating locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan confessing their sins. I want to preach today this subject, crying out in the wilderness crying out in the wilderness if you're going to preach with me today i want you to lay your bibles down just for a moment i want you to lift your hands and let's ask god to anoint the word of god here today would you do that with me right now father i pray that every soul every life will hear the word of god today that it will be especially uh, touching to them and that you will bless and and have your way oh god we thank you for it we give you praise and we magnify you, O oh God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we are in the dry wilderness of an evil, self-serving world in need of deliverance. Hearts are crying out for you, Jesus. Make a way for them, Lord, in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Put your hands together and let's thank God for what he's going to do right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. You may be seated. Praise God. So we've read here in your hearing Matthew chapter 3 and Matthew 11. The words are recorded by the apostle Matthew. Jesus telling us that John the Baptist was verse 9 more than a prophet. That the story that we're talking about today was a man that was more than a prophet. Now, that isn't a put down on prophets because when a man knows the future by the power of God, and I'm sensing today the power of the Holy Ghost that is here right now. One of the hard things about the things of God is that it is not natural to the carnal mind. Evil people do not understand it at all. People that are lazy and complacent and they have no spiritual uh, abilities. They, they don't understand when they begin to feel the presence of God. It's, it can be very, very troubling to them. I was teaching a family one day in their, in their home and they were drinking the, their beer. And, and, of course, they offered me every time I came, you want a beer? And I said, no, thank you. Um, uh, you got any iced tea? And, you know, I love it. I see. And so uh, and, and all one, I was like the third lesson into it. And they said to me, um, you, would you like a beer? And they'd offer me a cigar and things like that. And so uh, I'd say, no, thank you. And, and, uh, and when they started smoking the cigar, I'd say, do you mind if we open this window right here? Just, I, I just love the breeze. I love those flowers out there. And uh, so I was about, I uh, forget exactly where it was, but what about the third lesson? And I was teaching, and all of a sudden, I was, I think it was Moses or something. And I said, Moses walked up to the Red Sea. And then here in their kitchen, in their living room, and they're smoking cigars and, and uh, cigarettes, and, and, and they're drinking beer, and, and they're just, they're, they're just unconcerned, have no, now you would say, well, why were they even taking a Bible study? Because deep in their heart, they were hungry for God. And so I was teaching, I didn't say, oh, you bunch of rip probates never said that one time 
Although I did, I was hoping that they would run out of cigars. But anyway, so we were, we were sitting there, and I said something about Moses walked up to the Red Sea. And I want to tell you, I felt the Holy Ghost fall in that little kitchen. And I said, whoa! I mean, I stopped just like that. Hallelujah! And I said, whoa! Did you feel that? And the, and the husband said, yeah. feel that I mean the glory came into that kitchen I said I want to tell you something this has just become more than a Bible study this has become a place and a temple of the presence of God he's just come in I, I didn't I didn't say it with the with my holy anointed sound I didn't say God I said it very gentle because they were smoking cigarettes it didn't seem right to be too preachy I mean, they took those cigars and they went like that and they took the beer and they went over and they said, what is this? I said, this is what the gospel is all about. The God of heaven has chosen your home. He's come into your home right here. I want to tell you, they, the first thing they said to me, Sister Fritz, you remember this couple? The first thing they said to me was, now, we'll let you have this Bible study in our home, but you are never to ask us to church. And I said, I want to promise you right now, this lesson will take, you know, eight or ten weeks. I said, and I want it, of course, it takes 20. But anyway, um, I'm, I'm going to promise you right now that I will never ask you to my church. We got to pray and the Holy Ghost fell in that little, that little living room. I mean, they begin to weep. I was weeping. We're talking about what God can do, how God is real. And they said, we never felt, we've never known anything like this before. And they said, would, would you, what would you think if we came to your church? I said, no. No. No, I'm not talking to you about coming to my church. I promise you, this is not about my church. This is about your hearts. And God is just poured it out right here in your kitchen. They came Sunday morning and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost in that service that day. Woo! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! John the Baptist, Jesus said, Matthew 11 was more than a mere prophet. Nothing to be ashamed of. Being a prophet is no slouch to know the future. I tell you, America better wake up because the prophecies of God are upon this nation. People are waking up all over America and they are saying, God, help me. In fact, every nation of the world, I have friends that don't believe in speaking in tongues. Years ago, they used to tell me that's of the devil. And then they would say, well, it's not of the devil, but it's really goofy. And then they would say, well, uh, it's, it's not goofy, but it's not necessary. And then they'd come back and they'd say, where can I get this Holy Ghost? That's what's happening in our world right now. Because people, their eyes are getting open. He was more than a prophet. Because Isaiah predicted that he would say, God said, I sent my messenger before thy face. Speaking of the anointed Savior. So John the Baptist Locusts eating locusts and see that this troubles you me even saying it 
And I've made a big deal of it because I wanted you to, to sense it, that I mean for you to feel the uncomfortableness of thinking that he would eat a bunch of uh, locusts and, and that he was not conventional, that he wore camel's hair, the Bible says. And yet he was sent by God before the face of the Messiah. I'm talking to someone today. You're sick and tired of this world. And I'm telling you, there's a God of the unconventional that is waiting for you. And he has the doors wide open. That is, he prepares for the Messiah. John, you are preparing for the Messiah. And Jesus said, first of all, no one was ever born that is greater than John. Can you say praise the Lord? Never been anybody born up to that time. Of course, we know Jesus was born. He was greater than John. But up to the time of John, think of all the prophets. Think of Isaiah himself. Think of the men and the women that ministered. But nobody was as great as John. And he's out there in camel's hair. But God was using him as his messenger. And he was the final prophet of Israel. Not the last prophet ever because there are New Testament prophets how many knows that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever? Now, some people don't believe. They think everything we're doing right now is just like a TV or something. That it's just a big show and it's all about money or something like that. that people, they're very cynical about spiritual things. Especially if it's a little unusual. And so, many people will just say, that's, that's that. But God is alive and well today. And he will work in your heart with even when you don't know that he's working in your heart. He's working on you. Praise God. My dad was a drunkard, but God was working on him. He didn't even know it. And when he got to realizing it was God, he thought, wait a minute, that's God. That's God working on me. Of course, I got the Holy Ghost first, and then I had a reprobate brother. And so I told him, I said, now you can never be saved because you're a reprobate. But I want to tell you how to be saved. You have to quit all the drugging and selling the kids and stuff like that. But, you, of course, you're hopeless. I'm just telling you because you, I want you to know how to be saved. I have to tell everyone how to be saved. You're going to hell. But I want to tell you how you could avoid hell. And then he got the Holy Ghost in his car, dropping his girlfriend off at the university. And he got out and he said, he, he, he said, uh, he had been using a Bible, sticking it under his, under his seat in the little yellow Toyota. And, and then he would, when she'd get out, he'd pull that Bible. And, and God was working on him. Nobody had any idea. I want to tell you, God's working on people right now. You have no idea what God is doing. He is working. Hallelujah. So God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's in this place. He's here today. You say, no, sir, preacher, you're just a tall preacher pointing your finger at me. But I'm not just a tall pre preacher pointing my finger. I'm a messenger from God. And God is alive and well. He's alive and he's well. And you don't have to admit it, but God's been working on you from the kitchen to the back door for a long time. And he's dealing with you, what you do today and how you handle it today. Now, the Lord is coming. You don't have a great deal of time. I would encourage you to get with it. But God's not going to give up on you. His message was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. 
That was the message that began the ministry of John the Baptist. Now, the wilderness of Judea, if you're familiar at all with the Holy Land, was the dry, barren wasteland extending along the west shore of the Dead Sea. So the wilderness stretched for miles and miles and miles. And it's got like uh, rocky uh, hills. I mean, I mean, literally huge rocks and, and caverns uh, of mountainous hills and, and dry and then low land just extending for miles and miles. And uh, in, right at that area is a very interesting, perhaps one of the most interesting bodies of water in the entire world. It's called the Dead Sea. And it's, and it's called the Dead Sea because it's, it's dead, in case you didn't know that. The Dead Sea is dead. It has no life in it. It is full of salt. In fact, you cannot drown in the Dead Sea. I, I, I'm not positive you couldn't drown, but I mean, technically you can't drown there. Because you cannot go underwater. <laughs> There's so much salt and let's call it, my grandmother would have called it brine. I don't know what it really is, but I mean, I'm not an expert. I'm just trying to help you understand that this area <clears throat> is known as the wilderness. He was crying in the wilderness. Now, crying is a Greek word. I teach Greek, so don't, don't get mad at me. So, baontas uh, is a verb in Greek, which means this. Listen to me. He's crying in the wilderness. So, Baontas, that's how it's used here, and uh, so we'll just leave that alone. It means to shout. Everyone say shout. That's what it means. Now, there are several words that we can say he was, how, level, how loud the level of your voice was. Like you could say he called out, and you wouldn't mean they shouted at all. You could say, well, he, he raised his voice or he, he whispered. There's all kinds of Greek words for these uh, this verbal concept of how loud your voice is. But this is baontas, which means to shout or to call out. Now, folks, I'm trying to convey this to you as simply as I can. To shout or to call out loudly. This was not mere preaching. It is symbolizing the urgency that is explicit in the ministry of John. John was crying out in the wilderness, yet his voice has been heard. Here he was in the most barren land, a, a, a sea that is dead, so barren and dry and desolate, yet he cried out a single voice in the wilderness, and his voice has been heard in every century down through the years. A voice seemingly alone yet heard by the entire world, cries out in the wilderness. Make no mistake about it. The church is now in the last days, the wilderness of time. Symbolically, we are in the last days. Lord, help it ring. Let it ring tomorrow as they head to work. The wilderness that we are in is a world that knows not God, barren and dry without the life of God in them. Satan's games have failed mankind. They have played it, smoke this and take this and drug upon this. Yet out of the barrenness comes the sound of abundance of rain.
There is a voice that comes from heaven. As sure as this preacher stands here today, unworthy but willing, I stand in the midst of a world that needs God, and we will not yield to the devil. We are not defeated, and we are not discouraged. We will proclaim the word of the Lord. Now, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes. Now, the Savior who John came to prepare the way was not born in Hollywood. He was given no earthly robes of splendor. He had less than most of you have. For most people in the world, you are wealthy. You say, well, all I have is this car and I can barely pay for that in this apartment. That's wealthy by most worldly standards. Because you are an American. And because of the wealth of this land, I want to tell America today, and I know they're listening. You should thank God for every drop of rain you have ever had. Instead of turning your back upon the God that gives it. Jesus was not born, my friend. He's just like you. He was born in a manger. The God of heaven was born in a horse stable. And he was laid in a horse trough for his crib. I just had a grandbaby on Wednesday. We missed service. And, uh, and of course, all my grandbabies, they just, everyone says, it looks just like you, Pastor. Because I'm so good looking they just <laughs> sister French you had to say amen but that's all right and uh, so that was grandbaby number six and he's beautiful they named him uh, my my grandpa my precious grandpa that prayed me through to the Holy Ghost did you was your grandpa there when you got to okay so my grandpa my grandpa's name is Ezra because he's long past. And my wife's grandfather's name was Ezra. So when they came to us and said, we're going to name the baby Ezra. I had this look of Ezra. And then for the middle name, Sister Cole, his middle name is Cole. After the Coles. Ezra Cole. But I tell you right now, that baby had everything. That hospital over there in Fayetteville, it's not the Taj Mahal, but I tell you right now, by most standards in this world, I preached in Ethiopia some time ago where I found a baby on the side of the road, had AIDS. They said, don't touch that baby because the nation is so poor. I'm talking, the world is crying out. The world is wondering. I want to tell you, my friend, Jesus didn't come to try to prove to America how successful they are. He came to the downtrodden. He came to the burdened and the troubled and the bound. That's what he did. Ezra, listen to me, Ezra. You're just a couple days old, but I'm telling you, you're born in a nation where you've got more than Jesus ever had. 
already and you're three days old. You've got more than most of the world will ever hope for. Your daddy's a preacher. And by most standards in America, he doesn't have much. But he's richer than most anybody anywhere in the world. And he works hard and he's getting an education and he, he loves God. <laughs> Jesus was not born in Washington. He was not born with a silver spoon. He was born among the sheep and the goats and the stock. I'm talking to you today. John the Baptist stood at the opening door of the New Testament. That is to say the old was passing and he was the last. <laughs> John, you're the last. You're the last of the prophets and nobody that ever lived up to this day is what you are. You're out here in in camel's hair and eating the locusts, but there's never been a voice. Nobody ever preached a sermon, John, that compares to yours because the words you're saying is the Messiah is here. The Messiah is here. Oh, he katoshai. Hallelujah. Come on, put your hands together. Let's give him a little bit of praise. Why don't you yield yourself a little bit? So John was at the opening of the door of the New Testament. Testament means a covenant with God. So, for example, the old covenant, you could take an animal and shed its blood, and that would atone. You can't do that anymore. It doesn't work. There's only one, there's only one blood that can ever set anyone free. And it beckons to you, just like John did. There's a better day. That's coming. I may, you may look at me. I'm not saying let's wear camel's hair. Lord, I don't want to wear camel's hair. I don't even want to ride a camel. I was preaching out some country not too long ago. And oh my, I don't want to get into that. I was in Paris and they said, Brother Fritz, this is going to be so yummy. It's, it's horse meat. And I said, oh, I feel like I should pray. <laughs> Literally. I, I just suddenly don't feel like I should, I should be in prayer and fasting. I was in another spot and they said, this is moose brains, Brother French. It's the best we, can, we have. I said, but what is that right there? And they said, that's the hair. I said, well, could I pick that out before I eat the brains? So I picked the hair out. See, we want the gospel to be politics and better job and Oh, look at my car. Look at, look at my car, man. Look at my, what do we call a motorcycle when it's not a motorcycle? Well, Harley, <laughs> you're going to get me in trouble. Uh, 
But you know, uh, yeah, a, a moped. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I might join if mopeds are allowed. Anyway, so, uh, you know, we have our, we think, oh, he shot that ball. And man, it went right through the, right through the, the hoop. And boy, he's, he's worth millions because he can shoot a ball through a hoop. And he leads our young people to be as immoral as they can be. And then they sing their songs and they get, they get, have big awards. And, and then they're, they're, now they're announcing that she's, she's making a billion dollars a year. That's a lot. Because she has a great voice. But she's singing about immorality. She's singing about everything should never be sung about. She's using her voice. And we think, oh, man, look at that. I want to tell you, my friend, God didn't come to show you how good he could sing. He didn't come to show you what he's riding on. He came to show you how to get to heaven. He's prepared a way for you. Come on, let's praise him one more time. There's a better day coming, John says. But it's not the riches and pleasures of this world. The blessings... Not the riches. You say, well, what about riches? Are they okay? Yeah, they're fine. They're fine. If you can keep them under the blood, when they start poking up through the blood, you got to get rid of them. That's good preaching. You got to keep your sins under the blood. So it's not hitting the jackpot. The gospel is not a gamble. You don't say, oh, I hit the jackpot. No, no, my friend. This is not about the size of your diamonds. I have news for you this morning. The gospel is a Holy Ghost deliverance that breaks every chain. That's what the gospel is. Someone told me the other day, well, this, my religion is so-and-so. I said, I understand that. But I said, what we really want to talk about is the Lord's salvation. Would you like something that is bigger than you are? Bigger than what you can conceive of in your mind and in your brain? Are you looking for something that can make a difference with your children and your, and your life? Hallelujah. Including... Breaking the chains of the love of money, racism, and the bondage of the chains of sin. See, what we're doing in America is we're sinning all we want. We are becoming one of the most sinful nations in the world and claiming we're fine when we're not fine. No, God is going to judge sin. It's just a matter of when. But God can free you from the chains of this world. It's imperative, though, that you hear the voice crying out in the midst of the wilderness of this world. Jesus wasn't interested in your position or your good looks or your wealth or what you've got. He came for the down and out. He came for the poor. He came for the abandoned and the confused. To lift them from their plight. 
Woo, hallelujah. Could I tell you this morning, and I want to tell you, I know I need, I'm hurrying along, and I'm, I'm getting very close here, but I'm, I want to tell you this. Did you know there is not a nation in this world? And, and I could say, well, there's 212 nations, and someone would say, well, what about the territories? And what, are you sure it's 212? And we could argue all day long about the number of nations. Can I just tell you that there is not a nation on this planet where the Holy Ghost is not falling. Some of the poorest people that ever lived, we have to dig wells for them just so they can get water because they're becoming sick, but the Holy Ghost is falling. I was in a meeting where one million people were gathered together and they brought dead people and God raised the dead in their midst because of God's power that is falling. He came to lift them from their plight into his kingdom. Not some merry-go-round pretense of life where you hit a ball into an outfield and suddenly you're a hero. No, sir. No pretense of life. And say, that's all I need. Friend, young person, listen to me. The day will come as sure as I stand here that you will look at life and you will see there is more to life than the sum of what you have acquired. You, my friend, can experience the genuine work of repentance, which is, everybody say repentance, which everybody say repentance, genuine repentance. I know you're asking. I hear you asking me, what is genuine repentance? It is. Repentance is the first glimmer of light in a dark world. You must repent you don't get in this baptismal until you've repented. Don't you even get your toe in the water until you've repented. Someone said, I'm not sure if I've repented. Then don't do it. I'm not sure. If you don't know whether you've repented, you haven't repented. Because repentance is the change of heart. And direction that is necessary to get to the Messiah. Hallelujah. That's why John came preaching the baptism of repentance. He's preparing a way. If you're going to get to the Messiah, you've got to come through the door of a changed heart. Your direction is changed. When John baptized thousands in the wilderness and the heat of it, you had to wipe your, your neck just because of all of the perspiration. They were leaving the old self in the water. When you kneel in repentance, which is, of course, what we do today. We don't baptize under repentance. That's, that was just John. When you kneel in repentance, now you could repent on top of a car. You could repent in a skyscraper. You could repent in a boat. You could repent on your knees. You could repent in an altar. You could repent anywhere you are. There is no place where you could not cry out to God and change the direction of your life and say, I'm a sinner. But when you stand up from repentance, you are standing up a different person than you were. You have a new direction. And that's the beginning of your brand new life. That's not the end. It's just the beginning. It's like, hey, is anybody home? And you push the door bell and it rings and you're moving now into a new direction. Could we just lift our hands and pray that God will pour the Holy Ghost out upon us here today? Praise God.
Praise God. I'm almost done. Remember, if you can't sing, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Brother, do you remember that song? You remember that song? Are you a singer? Are you a famous singer? Are you an unfamous singer? Non-famous? Are you like me? I'm holding the mic and I'm singing and I can't even sing. This world is not my home. Hallelujah. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. If your treasures are buried here, that's where your heart is. You've got to change the direction of your heart. And that's repentance. The light comes like a shining brilliancy through the keyhole. And you're seeing through to another world. My treasures are laid up somewhere else. Put your hands together and let's thank God for those Hallelujah for those mighty, mighty, mighty changes of heart. Then, if you can't sing it, then you haven't repented. God intends for you to die to this world. I'm only talking to a few here because I know this is This is hard. You must die to this world. Now, if you're a Christian and you've not died to the world, then you're backslidden. But if you are not a Christian and you are wondering, what is that light I see shining? My heart is drawn to it. It is asking you to die to this world. You say, why did the king of heaven come and die? To show you that's exactly what you must do. You must give your life, not Physically, you must give your heart everything. I want the musicians to come. I'm almost, I keep saying, I really am almost there. They're going to come. And we're going to pray. And I'm, I open this altar, right? And, you can, and we're going to come. You say, well, I can't. I can't die. I can't change myself and so on. Of course. But if you turn to God, if you turn to God, here's what I would recommend. I know you're afraid. You think we're so uh, exuberant that we'll uh, get into your space. But we won't. Folks come and pray in this altar every, every, every week. Brand new people come. I've had people come and say, I'm passing through. We had someone come the other day. Got right up. You, you know that people pass by this church and they will walk in here? Just the other day. Just, I mean, I've had it so many times I'm trying to think which one I'm referring to. But remember this lady uh, came in and she said, I was driving by. And God said, go in there. I mean, I just... Hallelujah. She said, Is, would this by any chance, you know, be one of those churches where they talk in tongues and stuff like that? I said, by chance it is. This is one of those churches where we just talk in tongues. 
She said, I've been saying, Lord, if I could just find one of those churches where they could get a hold of God for me. I want to tell you, the Holy Ghost fell on her right in that aisle right there. It happens all the time. God is speaking. If you turn to God, you can do what is necessary. I'm talking to someone who can hear the loud voice in the midst of all your troubles. You hear it. You may be ignoring it, but you hear it. And you're going to pray today. Would you stand with me all across this? Let's close our eyes for a moment. Saints, would you do that with me and we'll help everybody to be comfortable. I want you to, I want everybody to feel comfortable to pray today. We're not going to intrude upon your space. But God is calling you and you feel like you should come. Or perhaps you're going to pray where you're seated. It doesn't matter to me. I'm just offering you an opportunity to come to the Lord and to cry out to God in a wilderness of sin. God is leading you to a life like the Apostle Peter, who was a fisherman that turned apostle. God is able to take you from the nets of your occupation.